most interesting things in the world. Try and imagine what it will be like to go to sleep and never wake up. I am the sun. It's been a while since I've been on the mic. I spit what I like and looking for a different life. I landed and managed to be gifted to write, but my best friends left, so I stick to the right. I tried to tell them they listen to me. The missing the key. There's plenty of the fish in the sea, but when you care about somebody that ain't wishing to see a vision so deep, patience is the gift that I need. Please bless me, let me live stress free. Right now I got a bunch of problems and I'm neck deep. I'm trying to find a way to get my head free. Relax, writing these tracks so I can breathe, breathe, just breathe in the air. No role of control, I'm releasing the care. Stay green like the leaves on the trees are repair. Man, I'm needing to share, ain't no reason to stare. You you can't have an experience of nothing. Nature pours a vacuum. So after you're dead, the only thing that can happen is the same experience or the same sort of experience as when you were born. In other words, we all know very well that after people die, other people are born. And they're all you. Hey guys and gals, welcome back to the DMT World Podcast. My name is Alex8721, and today we had on a friend of ours named Prairie Drummer. Uh, I can't say enough good things about this guy. He's um, really leading the fight in the legalization of cannabis for industrial hemp use, as well as medical. He's also a part of a few organizations out there uh, in the industry. He's a business developer of the Kansas-based Medicine Man Farms and the Pharmacy. He serves as, as an advisor on the Hemp Economic Development Group, the Kansas Business Association, uh, Kansas for Hemp, and the founding president of the Planted Association of Kansas. Uh, today just came on and um, shares with us what he's been up to and how the fight in Kansas is going. Um, he, This man is very inspiring. Uh, he's truly one of the biggest advocates for this plant. And... Um, Really ha- glad to have him on and have him share with us his story. Uh, really interesting parts in the story, too. Don't forget you can become a supporter of the site at dmtworld.net forward slash Patreon. Also, don't forget to join the DMT World podcast group for any updates or changes or anything uh, or any suggestions. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. Keep spreading that love and please welcome Prairie Drummer. Prairie Drummer, welcome to the uh, podcast. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. Really appreciate it. Hey, uh, I'm glad you're here, man. I, I, I was listening to the um, podcast that you had um, with the, dang, I forget the organization that was called. Um, Is that the Ministry of Hemp? One? Ministry of Hemp, yes. Um, and man, it got me so excited to have you on here. Uh, you've got so much information when it comes to, you know, especially hemp huge that i know that's a huge thing that you're pushing out there but like i said uh the only thing was the time but it's all good it is what it is man but uh i'm I'm really glad you're here man well it's it's uh it's an honor and um i i gotta say you know dmt world has been a really good catalyst for me um as far as being able to have another platform for for sharing information because uh, that's just that's something that I've always found is uh, that's one of my one of my callings is um, you know I was I was always the kid in school that that got a, got my friends in trouble because I just wanted to talk I wanted to talk to them and play with them and learn from them and things and I just I have this kind of um, sharing 
part of my personality that whenever I come across important information or things that I think are important, I want to, sh- I want to share it with as many people as possible. So, you know, DMT world has, has really helped, uh, in that regards for me. And it's definitely opened my eyes to other worlds in, you know, with regards to other, um, other plant substances, other types of, uh, lifestyles and cultures. And it's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, your page is full of articles, research, notes, videos, organizations. I mean, God, you can scroll down for days. I mean, there's people leaving contents on there like, hey, man, I can't even keep up with this. And it's true. You're a wealth of information, man. And, and what that shows me is that, you know, you're 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 in, you're involved, you know, and you're 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 out there, you know, taking a look at things that are going on, and you know, that to me is uh, something that's the most important, and also bringing awareness to them. I think that is the key key factor in all of this. Yeah, the the, the whole education part. Um, I mean, it, it kind of goes back to like I I had educators and. Uh, my, my wife is an educator herself and I've always valued, um, the profession of, of just education in general. Mm-hmm. And Kansas is, has been known to have really good school systems mm-hmm. uh, traditionally. And I went to college at a, at what was once the, the Kansas state teachers college. So nice. that whole, the, the whole education aspect, um, I, I, it kind of, I gravitate towards it naturally, but, uh, when I, focus in on things that I especially like or am passionate about, such as hemp and cannabis and mm-hmm. uh, psychedelics and things like that. I just, I, I really want to go as deep as I can and try to find out um, as much as I can about, like, you know, our humanity's relationship with those substances mm-hmm. and, and what, what they mean to us. You know, what's funny is even when people, like even saying the word psychedelics, even substances, like to me, I'm like, oh God, you know, most of these things are just plants or fungus. Like in, in a world where, you know, a, a plant or a fungus, which used to be considered a plant, are illegal, it's, it's infuriating. And it's also, it makes you wonder, like, what is going on here? You know? Yeah. And, and I, it, that's true. And I, um, I do try to use other vernacular terms as well. <laughs> it is what it but, is. But no, but, but that's, but a, it's that's a really good. Yes. It's, you bring up a really good point. And mm-hmm. that is um, because I still live in Kansas, which is a 100 percent uh, prohibited state with yeah. regards, you know, when we're, when we're talking about things like cannabis, we only have industrial hemp right now. And I've, I've been working on, uh, you know, the coalition that's really been on the forefront for the past 10 years trying to mm-hmm. get a medical program passed here. And it's, it's been challenging because we're, we're up against so many different factors yeah. uh, in the state, but it's, it's fast. It's fascinating to watch. And we are seeing a definite paradigm shift. Yes, we are. And um, just before we get into that, because all of that stuff is exciting, everything that you're involved in, man, it is very exciting. And uh, I'm, this is the reason why, I'm really glad you're here just for, so people can also be aware of, of what's going on and, and, you know, and also, you know, inspired too, because, you know, the things that you do are inspiring. But um, if, before we get to that, can you give us a little bit of a backstory just for the community who, you know, may not know you and uh, kind of get a better understanding of where you're coming from? Definitely. So I'm from Kansas. Um, I was born in Topeka, which is capital. And 
that city is about uh, an hour west of Kansas City. So a lot of people know where Kansas City is at. It's right on the border between Missouri and, and Kansas. So um, Topeka is, is, it is a metropolis. Uh, in, it's a small city, it, you know, roughly 250,000 or more. Um, actually, it may be more than that now. But Kansas as a whole, 2 million people. So a uh, pretty small state. And my family um, kind of come from different backgrounds, but both my, my mother and my father had farming backgrounds, um, even though I did grow up in Topeka, which is a, it's a city. So um, I had a pretty conservative upbringing and I was brought up in the, in the Catholic church. I mean, uh, Kansas is uh, right in the middle of the Bible Belt. And uh, so I, I was brought up with with pretty conservative um, values around me and, and discipline. Uh, but I also had uh, I was fortunate to to be enrolled in martial arts early on. So I I, I was studying martial arts and being involved in music mm. early on. So I nice. was uh, I, I got involved with with uh, percussion at a young age and continued on with especially world music um, mm -hmm. throughout my my youth and then i ended up playing drums on the drum line uh in college nice so um yeah that's actually how i met my wife because she was on really? the dance team <laughs> I tell you, extra bonus that's a bonus but, uh, <laughs> but while you know while while i i grew up in um in topeka and you know it was this you know pretty pretty strict um upbringing mm -hmm. i i knew about cannabis for example from from a young age and that was because mm -hmm. i i came home from dare class and i asked my parents what they knew about marijuana is this this plant that we kept hearing about and um, my dad said that in the 1970s he was involved in some research at k-state university and they studied <laughs> the best ways to kill what they thought was marijuana, but it was actually just hemp. Wow. Hmm. And so uh, that kind of stuck with me because, you know, here we were this, this generation that we were being told we were going to save the planet That's and right. get plastics out of the ocean and transition to fossil fuels and all this great stuff. But here we were trying to kill this plant that we knew grew well here in, in, <laughs> Kansas and it just it, it didn't make sense to me so I'll, that kind of stuck with me and throughout school and um, you know I, I experimented with cannabis and uh, there was there was a time when um, you know the law enforcement got involved because my parents um, thought they needed to yeah and uh, it, I kind of lost a lost some trust with my parents at that time and to see everything come full circle now because of what i'm about to tell you uh -huh. um it's pretty amazing that my parents are in full support of everything that i'm doing beautiful. now and it's because it's because of education, education. It, just goes back, it just goes back to education so yep. let me let me tell you a little bit about um so i you know through through high school through college i, I was involved in a lot of music and art mm -hmm. scene because I, I'm a percussionist and, a, and an, an actor as well. Um, you know, my, my first psychedelic experience was in college and uh, it was life changing. And it was around the same time that I also had a, a near death experience. Mm -hmm. 
and um, that was pretty transformative. But uh, what I kind of ultimately learned from that, or I guess took away from it, was that I just I needed to do everything I could to to record stories and uh, to connect with as many people as possible. So I just started doing as much research as I could. Uh, data research about cannabis and networks that I could get involved with. And so after college, I, I got an internship, which was, this is during 2009. So it was during a recession, okay. mm -hmm. uh, you know, horrible climate, uh, economic climate to be graduating into. Definitely. Um, and I, luckily I, I got a, got an internship at the largest healthcare insurer in Kansas. Nice. And so I moved back up to Topeka. That's where I'm originally from. So, you know, I, I, my wife and I got married and settled and I, I became, um, really entrenched in data mining and data systems and content management systems mm -hmm. and, and as well as healthcare. And that kind of brought me into the, the public health sector, but ultimately, um, I had quite a few resources and, and this is around the 2012 era. So there was just all of this uh, information overload ab about, you know, the, the world is changing and paradigms are shifting and you know, all of yeah. these really great things coming out. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I really, that, that was a catalyst also for, for me to really kind of focus on cannabis and, and see what this may lead to as far as a, a career eventually. And, in 2015, I went to the National Cannabis Summit in Denver, Colorado. And throughout my childhood, my family's always traveled to, to Colorado. We've vacationed in, in, during the summers up okay. in the mountains and done fishing and things like that. Nice. So I spent a lot of time in, in Colorado. Yeah, some history there, yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, and we, we just, we love it there. And that's just way before, you know, legalization ever yeah. happened. So, mm -hmm. uh, but when I, um, when we, when we started talking about, you know, going to Colorado for that purpose, um, the doors just kind of started opening up. Uh, one of our, one of my wife's family friends ended up, they, they had a cabin in Boulder and we've been out there multiple times, nice. um, taking our friends out and just really experienced the, the life out there. It's, it's been incredible, but so after after i went to the my first cannabis summit in uh in denver that next year i went to canna grow expo okay. that was also in in denver and around that time i realized that i needed to because i i was learning and, and and feeling myself the experience of what a a legal state could be like no, and I, I i thought i have to take this back to kansas and it, what, was, what, was, what was interesting is i had a lot of friends that i grew up with and they they were like oh kansas is never gonna get kansas is never gonna legalize you know i'm getting out of here i got the first thing i do when i graduate is gonna move to new york or california or whatever i have so many friends and, and they're still doing that um but the thing is i i i still hold true it's to me is you can't if you're not happy where you are you're probably not going to be happy elsewhere but mm -hmm. the the other part is we need to be changing where we are first uh, yes and, and that goes with anywhere any place you live mm -hmm. and i so there's a 
you know, you could, we can travel, we can do, of course, not now because of the pandemic, but yeah. I, I just feel like there's, there was a, there was a, a calling to me that I needed to stay here and grow some roots and really try to make things happen for folks here in Kansas. Uh, because the reality is we've been exporting so much revenue and yeah. um, intellectual property. I mean, I just the, the resources are endless. Uh, families have moved. We've moved so many refugee families just across the really? state border wow. because in one state they're a criminal and across That's the border right. they're, they're a patient. Yeah. So, wow. so that, that was kind of when I, it was around this 2016, 2017 era that I, I realized that I needed to, to start getting involved. So I got involved uh-huh. with some ad, the advocacy group here, Bleeding Kansas Advocates. Um, when, when there were, there were some folks who approached me and said, Hey, we need to also talk about industrial hemp and what that's going to look like here in Kansas because we're a, we're a predominantly ag state. I, I, I was like, yes, we have to do this because I, my, I have family farmers and um, they're suffering and they've been suffering for a while because of the markets and the way that uh, trade has gone. And mm-hmm. especially with the, the U.S.'s administration currently has done nothing for farmers. Um, so farmers need a different commodity to grow. And, you know, we could talk about farm subsidies and corn and all that stuff. But, uh, but the bottom line is um, the data that, that I've been aware of and that I helped uncover shows that Kansas has known for, uh, for generations that we grew, we grew a lot of cannabis back in the day. I remember in the podcast that you had um, the, with the hemp uh, industry of hemp, that was something you brought up and dude, that's a wormhole. You can travel down that road so long. I was like, geez, this is something that even for me, I'm like, I didn't even know this stuff, man. What is it that that, that you found or what is it that you came across uh, regarding this? So uh, you're, you're talking about the research that my my dad um, was a part of. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, in the 1960s and 1970s, mm-hmm. K-State, which is America's first land-grant university, uh, so they were, they were the first ones that, that really got the funding from federal government to start researching agriculture on a, on a large scale. And K-State has a long history of doing some pretty important research uh, regarding animal health and uh, uh, farming in general. Mm-hmm. And during the 1960s and 70s, they they conducted research. And it was at the guidance of a couple, um, there was an assistant professor and a graduate student that led these. And it was overall, my understanding is it was funded by Eli Lilly and Elanco Manufacturing Company which is a global pharmaceutical conglomerate. Mm-hmm. And if you go back further, before cannabis was prohibited in the 1930s, Eli Lilly was one of the sole manufacturer of cannabis-derived medicinal products. Jeez, that's mind-blowing, man. <laughs> yes, it is. And there and I'm not I mean, the data is there. I'm not yeah. I'm not just I'm not just saying this either, but 
so what I what I found is <clears throat> these these publications showed the way that they tried to kill cannabis, which they it was it was biased from the beginning mm-hmm. because they talked about this as marijuana. And in fact, it, it was not. And that was one of the conclusions of their studies was that there was a, a quote, drug type and a fiber type. And we know now that there's, there's a lot of hybridization that has happened over time. So that that's an oversimplification of it in general. But, um, but what's what's interesting is that from these studies, the re, the taxonomic research report that came out of Canada that was the ultimate source of why the United States put THC into law cited these studies from from Kansas State University. Oh, wow. So so it it can be traced that. Prohibition in the 1970 Controlled Substance Act was put in place based on data that came from these K-State studies that I, I uncovered. And and by the way, this information is not open open source. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you can't go out on the internet and search PubMed and find these publications because they're behind a paywall. And a lot of research is um for a lot of different purposes but the point is these are these are very crucial um publication research that that happened it was biased it does have conflicts of interest and it ultimately affected policy that impacted millions of people mm-hmm. no and so yeah go ahead so the one one thing that even for me um, that was a little confusing was hemp versus what they call marijuana. And even the name marijuana is like, that doesn't, there's, that's just a name that was slapped on it. You know, this, there's cannabis and various, um, you know, you have strains like sativa, indica, and I, I can't remember the other one, and then varying, um, the amount of THC that varies in between the plants is what, right. Um, constitutes whether it's hemp or whether it's what people call or marijuana, right? Or, or is that wrong? Legally <clears throat> speaking, um, yeah, the, the distinction comes from, you know, a high THC cannabis plant, mm-hmm. which a lot of folks are, are classifying as, as marijuana. And that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a, a discussion. You're right. That's an entire discussion is, uh, yeah. in, in general, because the, the history of the term marijuana is actually really interesting. And I, yeah. I it, um, but it, it but it, it, anyway generally speaking yes in legal terms mm-hmm. hemp is differentiated by having no more than 0.3 percent thc yeah. Hmm. yeah jeez man um yeah it, it, this this the whole thing with cannabis i mean it goes really deep um <laughs> Even for me, just looking up a few things, I, I mean, there's so much things you can go into and even just the yeah. propaganda put out in the t- late 20s and the 30s and then just realiz- realizing what it's done to, to our country, you know, and even up until this point, we're still fighting that stuff from almost 100 years ago, you know. 
But yeah. I think there's people like you out there and a lot of, you know, everybody's, you know, kind of uh, the perception is the perce- perception is changing, you know, so that's it a is. Good thing. Um, it, it's difficult um, to to watch, you know, other states go down these paths of decriminalizing and, mm-hmm. and legalizing. And we're, we were so happy for them because we know that this is it's just so crucial where they are. Um, and at the same time, it's like now these some of these states like Oregon and California and, and Colorado, they're talking about legalizing psilocybin and, mm. and other types of psychedelics. And it's like, OK, we, we'd like to we'd like to have some sort of protected access to some some of these, um, you know, medicinal therapies as well. <laughs> but uh, we just, there are a lot of barriers and I, I talked about this briefly in the other, in that other podcast too, but um, you know, when, when we have active prohibition stances coming from a core group of people mm-hmm. that the Kansas legislature listens to um, who, who technically aren't really experts in this information and they're not up to date on, on the most accurate uh, data out there, you know, we're, we're not really, um, we're not protecting public health. And that, that's where I, you know, I want to, I want to come in, I want to be able to help provide information. And that's all I'm, that's all I'm trying to do is just share information with folks about, about things. So. Geez. So, um, once you came back and you got the job in the healthcare industry, um, and you started, you know, you realized this was your, your, your calling your thing, um, what was some of the first things you started to do and, and like the organizations yeah. you got into? So it's kind of interesting. When I was still working at uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield, mm-hmm. I met um, early, early on in my career there. Uh, I had befriended a, a couple guys who were web developers mm-hmm. and um they, they, between them, they had a lot of, of experience in the tech field in web, de- web designing, app designing, uh, software engineering. I mean, just all kinds of really great things. So they have this really rich, uh, um, skill set. And I, coming from the communication side, I, I had a degree in public relations and in sociology. And I, I kind of wanted to be the liaison person uh to the tech side and we it was interesting one of my friend's brothers in colorado contacted him one time and said hey i know of a couple of people who are trying to find a solution for business to business transactions in the in the cannabis industry can you do this and so we put our heads together and for a couple of, for several um, months, I think a couple of years, we did a lot of market research and development on um, ultimately a, a, a wholesale transaction system for, for cannabis companies. And there are a couple that are out there doing it right now, but um, we kind of, we kind of made our own version and, uh, went live with it. And, um, you know, it, it, that startup has, been, has just been kind of sitting there because it, it didn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there were probably a lot of things at that, at that point that people, a lot of great ideas that people have that just didn't come to fruition. Yeah. Um, but 
what we've found over the years is that that um, tool is still needed and it's needed here in Kansas. And so we're going to eventually reapply that and and basically create that for, for our own state. And what it what it also made me realize is that there are ancillary opportunities in both you know, the, the cannabis or, uh, or marijuana space and, and industrial hemp too. Uh-huh. There are just so many different, um, avenues of, yes. you know, applying your creativity and your, your vision in these industries. So, um, that, that kind of was, was also a changing moment for me. And from then I helped co-found Kansans for hemp and we were involved with legalization, uh, in the state. We ended up traveling all across Kansas and we listened to farmers and we had meetings and listened to concerns from uh, community members and took that information back to the Capitol. Um, and I was, like I said, I was closely involved with the passing of the legislation. And what's, what's crazy is uh, I went to the NOCO Hemp Expo in 2017. And while I was there, I got a 3D printed hemp pen that made was made out of, of hemp. Yes, it wow. was. It was. It was <laughs> hemp filament. Yeah, 3D filament that was made out of industrial hemp. And I took that back and I gave it to the director of communications and Governor Jeff Collier use that pin to sign the hemp bill into law nice yeah wow, that's very symbolic man that's really cool. That cool yeah and, and what's 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 kind of bittersweet it's also a, a, an addition to that that story is that i bought that pin from mark lindy who found green spring tech which is a it's a hemp package company mm-hmm. out of Texas and he is no longer living. Um, he, he died, a, a la- I think a couple years ago. And so it was really, mm. it was one of those things where, you know, it was kind of life changing to be able to see what type of vision this person had. And I, he was a pioneer in, in the space and yet he was taken from us so fast, we couldn't see his true potential. And so one of the things that I'm personally trying to do is I want to, I want to see that continue. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I've been, that's one of the reasons I've been working with some bioplastics companies, um, to, to help bring that back, to help bring this here, because, um, you know, his dream is going to be realized. It's just a matter of time. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I want to, I want to help make that happen, but it was, he thought it was so great. And he had such a great sense of humor too, because one of the last things he did was, uh, he was working on a project. He sent me some other pins. This was probably a, a couple weeks before he passed. And he sent me a couple, a couple hemp print, a 3d printed, uh, guitar picks. Nice. And they say the word dick on them. <laughs> and he was like, what is that it's their dick pics. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that great? Yeah, yeah. That's that's the type of person he was. Like that's he, he just man. he just had, had a such a such a great sense of humor. So 
uh, you know, but, but that's that's another thing. These are the type of people yeah, that yeah. Um, that are in the industry and that want to just share. They just want to share things <laughs> mm-hmm. with you because that's the way the community is, and it's just yeah. like DMT world. That's that's it's the whole um, the whole aspect of the family vibe. So, um, you know, I I I went to Noco. We got the the hemp bill passed. I was then. Uh, appointed by the secretary of agriculture to serve on the industrial hemp research advisory board. So I was involved with, you know, actually helping create the rules and regs of the program. And then once people wanted to grow process or distribute, Uh they submitted their, their applications. And I was part of the group that, you know, gave licenses or rejected them. And uh, we had a really good turnout. And it's, it's been interesting to watch the program in, in Kansas grow because it has grown over the years. Over time, between 2019 and 2020, and I could do this is, this is a completely you know, separate, like this is a podcast in itself. <laughs> but uh, 2019 to 2020, we had an increase of licenses. Uh-huh. A lot of other states didn't. They saw a decrease. And I think that goes to show that Farmers' interest is still increasing. So mm-hmm. even though um, other states are experiencing a decrease in in overall licensing to yeah. grow hemp, it's it's increasing in Kansas. And a lot of it has to do with the markets and the fact that farmers aren't getting paid what they need to with yeah. growing soybean or growing mm-hmm. corn or wheat. And at the same time, if if they're not getting a return on their investments with those commodities and the amount of inputs, the pesticides, chemicals, all that stuff yep. is, is still increasing in, in cost. It's not a, it's not a good trajectory. So it makes sense too. Yeah, it, it does. And we know that that hemp grows well all over the state. So um, yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting to see the growth. And then, uh, and then of course, uh, I'm working with the group uh, on getting a, a medical program passed here. So we don't, I think it's unrealistic for anyone to think that um, Kansas would go from a, a zero, zero tolerance to an, an adult use. Mm-hmm. But uh, so that's kind of where we have to take the baby steps and, and establish exactly. a, a medical program, make sure mm-hmm. that patients are covered and protected and, and that whole education aspect of it, too. So that's kind yeah. of what, what we're working on right now. You know, that is a big thing that you see in, in the in the individual states is it's step by step. You know, um, overnight and, and decisions like these, obviously nobody likes to do them, especially people that have, you know, these, they hold these beliefs about these plants and medicines. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to change people's minds, um, you know, that are already set, you know, and especially um, people that have just, you know, grew up in a time that was different than ours, you know, um, and you're 100% right. Education is key. That is how you you know, continue to take those steps. And I think uh, cannabis in general is the front runner and like the main actor on the stage of what basically is repealing the 1970 substance uh, act. I mean, it truly is. Yeah, for sure. And it it will be, I think it will be within, um, I mean, some people are saying, Oh, it won't be within my lifetime. I I have a feeling it's probably going to, be within the next five years, if really? not before that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and, and of course this next, you know, this next, That's um, good. Uh, we've seen a lot of uh, just 
overarching uh, regulation changes and shifts that have happened at the federal level. Mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, you've had the USDA 2018 Farm Bill that, that, yeah. that took CBD out of the picture. Mm -hmm. We then, you know, have had the FDA come in and say, okay, we will acknowledge the fact that there needs to be more research done on this. Mm -hmm. uh, they've they've now gone down the the path of establishing a cannabis derived pipeline for products. Mm. So I mean, there there are there's some things definitely happening that I I think will lead to, and it, of course, this next election is going to determine oh, a lot. Yeah. Oh yeah, so, yeah, that's a really exciting time, especially for you guys here in Kansas, man. That's. Uh, Damn, the, the the battle that you guys have been fighting there has been it has been tough considering all you know all things considered, especially with neighboring states and seeing you know all these other states like you said you know having their their medical marijuana laws and so forth. It's uh, I can only imagine, man. But you know you're out there doing it, which is uh, great, man. Really great, inspiring, very inspiring. Really, well, I, I, I appreciate it. It's uh, it's not. Um, you know, it's a group effort. Everyone For here sure. is, is kind of, it's like, we're all going through this together and, um, there's a lot of support and synergy that's coming out, um, coming out of the woodworks. And I, and I think also, you know, to the extent of just being able to be more open about, about things now, because I, I now serve as, as a business developer with medicine man farms. And so, um, before when I was working in public health, it, I couldn't really be open about mm -hmm. talking about yeah. these things. And regardless of, of whatever it was, you know, I, I mean, I've even noticed a shift in the way I, I talk about psychedelics and share information about research. Um, because I, it, being in the industry and actually working in the space is, it's kind of freeing and, it's empowering to know that there are other people out there who are trying to make change where they are too. Mm -hmm. And while also there's this entire, so, you know, the, the part about me, I want to bring this entire network of, of folks who have been operating in the, in the quote unquote illicit space. Mm -hmm. and, and that's one of the things like I want people in, in the DMT world space and, and that whole ecosystem to to also want to participate in in the legal side of things um you know i there's there's this whole mentality and and um perception about well i don't want to i don't want to operate in the legal space because that'll just be a, a you know it'll it'll be a, a headache I'll, it'll be a bunch of hassle that i have to jump hoops i have to jump through and all of that but um it's it when it can be done well and effective, it changes everyone's lives in so many different ways. And I've mm -hmm. seen it done. And and that's why I, you know, when, so when I went to, um, I went to Slovenia and I, I got to speak at the world hemp Congress in, in 2019. And I got to, I got to meet some pretty amazing people while I was there. And I'll never forget sitting and, and talking with Martini Meinreis, who is from Germany, and he's one of the, the leaders who, who got cannabis uh, passed, as well as decriminalization of other, of other drugs. And 
we, we just sat at this pub for the longest time and drank beer and talked about things. And it, it made me realize that we are all so connected in so many different ways across cultures, across continents. And we don't even know it until we, we step out and we take those chances and get outside our comfort zones. Yeah. And I, I just, I think that that is a lesson that when it's so easy to be introverted because I, I'm yeah. kind of that, that way myself and you don't want to step out those outside those comfort zones. But when you do, you not only are able to change your life, you can impact a lot of other people's. And so, you know, I, I want to be able to help empower and facilitate, you know, bringing other people into this space too. That is a big, uh, that is a big thing right there. Um, obviously because of the legal status of all these plants or um, fungus or fungus or antigens, you know, people are afraid to, to come out and, and talk about even having conversations like this. I mean, look at, look at the podcast that we have here, you know, everybody who comes on, you know, it's all audio just for that simple fact for me personally, you know, I, you know, I, I believe in these um, plants and fungus, you know, they've helped me out tremendously from, you know, from issues from my past and almost everybody that I come across when I'm honest with them, you know, they totally support me. You know, when you get to know a person and you understand that, you know, Hey, this guy's just a regular guy. He's not a criminal. He's not, nothing. you know, it just so happens to be that these things, you know, really helped him and he believes in them. And, you know, that's for me is what always, always kind of, you know, gives me a sense of comfort knowing that, you know, Obviously, if I'm if, if if somebody sees me on here talking about things, and you know my boss, the people I work for, you know, they're on they're on in the same on the same page. You know, they're like, yeah, that's this guy. That's what he does. You know, and and um, that's what brings me the sense uh, of um, you know comfort. And and also to be honest with you, for me personally, if if it wasn't that way, I probably wouldn't work where I work at or be associating myself with the people that I associate with because. Um, this is my life. And it was a point of, 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 of life or death or being incarcerated at one point or another. So I, I, I feel like I owe it to be open about it and, you know, to have these conversations and, you know, bring awareness to these things, you know? So I, I, I hear you, man. I do. And that's great, man. That's great. Well, and I, 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 the other, I guess the other part, you know, I, I can't go about any of this, um, without recognizing that, that I have, that I've had privilege and, you know, just, just because of, of my ethnicity or because of where I grew up and things like that. Um, I, I owe it to the people who have come before me who have fought for this. And I, and also to make sure that, you know, the, those who have suffered the most because of things like the drug war, um, they have to be, they have to benefit from this. They have to be brought in. And, um, I, I totally agree that help bridge those gaps to help bring people together and to find commonality between us because we're only going to get through this together. Right. I mean, Yes, indeed. Uh huh. Yeah, for sure. It's funny to me that I mean, not funny, but it's it's astounding when you see and hear about people going to jail um, for cannabis-related offenses, and then you know you have people in Colorado walking into a store and just buying 
you know, the plant off of the shelves, you know, like that's yep. a one big thing that I remember somebody bringing up. I read an article where there was an organization that was going over um, just that, you know, um, like in Colorado, once they started this and um, like the decriminalization of some of these other plants as well, um, going over the legal side of it, you know, all these people that have been impacted by, you know, these offenses and that are serving time or something like that and trying to get them, you know, either released or, I mean, that part is, is another one to really, really take a close look at because um, it definitely is, it, it is um, ridiculous. It is. Uh, I think one of the, one of the big ways that uh, locations, cities, uh, regions, counties can, you know, help in that regard is to elect a DA, a district attorney that is going to commit to not prosecuting um, criminal offenses as far as possession or, uh, you know, what minor offenses, whatever that might be. Um, and and also to vote when they have the chance either to on a petition or a, at a ballot to be able to vote decriminalization. I think that's, it's a big movement we're seeing right now. Um, it is happening in multiple states and I think mm-hmm. 2020 and, and 2021 are, they're looking like they're gonna be some pretty big years, both uh, on the cannabis side as well as, as well as decriminalization of a lot of different psychedelics and, and other entheogens as well. Um, and, you know, I, I, as far as, as far as Kansas, where we kind of sit in that realm, I think once we can get, I mean, I don't know what you know about Kansas, but we have some of the leading uh, medical research facilities here and we're not really known for it, but uh, you know, back in the day we did have Minigers and Minigers was uh, an original um, psychiatry hospital that was established decades ago i mean generations ago what's interesting and i'll share this with you because i think i think it's it's important um my my name came from uh the dentist that my my mother and father went to in the 70s Mm -hmm. and that dentist was part of the meniger group that brought flotation devices oh wow to Kansas and they did sensory deprivation research on patients out at Minigers. Oh wow. And uh, he told me <laughs> he told me this one time when I was I was going to Boulder and I was gonna I was thinking about floating. Yeah. And he was like, yes, you need to try this and this is why because I was a part of the research and all this stuff. <laughs> uh, and and he was saying that the reason they went away in the 80s is because they didn't have good protocol for cleaning them. Oh, okay. And people got staph infection uh-huh. and they got, you know, so they just, they went away. Well, they, they came back and they've come back with, uh, a, a, with a vengeance. And yeah. it's so amazing because that's kind of where I, you know, I, I started the first time I floated was in 2015 and I floated over 20 times since then. Nice. And it's something that I, I personally have gained a lot from and I, I think others do. I know others do and should as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they should experience it because it's it's just one of those. It's a process that helps train your mind to yeah. relax. And that yeah. is something we, we all need. 
especially in these times. You know the thing right. about uh, the flow tanks um, two years ago? Um, I suggested for my wife to go out and try it out. She was having some issues and, um, you know, she went out to go do kind of, you know, a, a day on her own and so forth. And then uh, she's like, hey, this place um, lets uh, veterans flow for free on this day of the month. And I was like, okay, well, I'll go check it out myself. And I, I went out there um, two years ago around the summertime and I was like, oh my God, this thing, this is, it's, I almost compare it to a, like an automatic meditation. Like you get into this headspace where you separate everything and it's just consciousness and you can do a lot of work in the, in the flow tank. You know, you can, I mean, everything is completely blocked out. And, um, there, since then I floated a few more times and, um, Every single time has been a memorable experience. It, it definitely is something that I would I would recommend to anybody who um, would just want to, you know, get, like meditation for me has always been a hard thing. You know, uh, I suck at it <laughs> and maybe for a little bit of lack of trying. But when I get in that flow tank, it's boom, the switch turns on and I'm there and, and it's something else. It, it's something that I think everybody should experience at least once. Absolutely. And, you know, each time after I have floated, um, whether I came in with with a problem that I wanted Mm -hmm. to solve or uh, I just had some, you know, revelation or epiphany afterwards, like it uh, flotation has played a key role in a lot of my decision making uh, to get to the point where I am as far as. Uh, career-wise, and and you know, as far as the cannabis industry goes, it's it has definitely played into that. That's beautiful, man. Um, what so what do you got going on right now in in terms of um, not not I mean, yeah, what do you have going on right now? Just um, in general, um, with or without the hemp stuff, or just anything else, anything special, personal, or anything you're willing to share? Well. Um, I am, I'm working on several different things Mm -hmm. and, um, the main one is here coming up here in about 40 minutes or so. I'm going to be meeting with a group who's, um, developing legislation to get it introduced, uh, in the Kansas state house this year. And, uh, it's going to, create a medical cannabis program. Beautiful. So beautiful. That's that's what I'm going to be working on in the in the most immediate time but uh <laughs> you know other other things I've got going on I'm I just am really enjoying the work that I'm doing with Medicine Man Farms mm-hmm. and this is a farming organization that is made up of multi-generational farmers. And they've been doing large-scale farming for a long time. And they also are doing it correctly because they're they're stewards of the ecosystems. They're not um, they they don't. It's not like they don't care about about what exactly. they do, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's so exciting that we we're we're going into this hemp space. There's an established product line for hemp derived products mm-hmm. with the farm with the pharmacy, but once medical goes. Um, we're going to venture down the path of, of, you know, getting into full, full grown, full spectrum cannabis. Mm -hmm. Um, at the same time, we're looking at industrial uses of other types of varieties and cultivars, Mm -hmm. uh, all the way from 
you know, construction materials and hempcrete to textiles and and biofuel, biocomposite. So, yeah, we're looking at at a lot of um, opportunities coming up, but also just some unusual and really unique connections, given the fact that we sit in the middle of the animal health corridor. So I don't know if you're if you're familiar with this, but over 56% of the world's research and development in animal health and animal products sits within about a 500 mile radius. And that goes from Manhattan, Kansas to Columbia, Missouri. Oh, wow. And there are multiple medical and, and dog uh, animal feed um, mm-hmm. plant hills pet food so I mean there's some ma- and K State of course so there's some major um, development that's happening around all of that I've been in in conversations with with venture capitalist groups uh, partners out of Silicon Valley are coming oh. in in developing an ag tech incubator. I mean, there's some, there's some really exciting stuff going on. So, um, you know, that's, those are kind of the, the discussions and, and things that I'm working on, but really just getting sales going with our company and mm-hmm. the day to day grind is, has, it, it's been life changing for me. And, nice. uh, and so I, I, more than anything, I want, I guess I want people to, to hear or, or know that, um, you know, if you, if you strive for something, if you really want to, to make something happen, if you want to work in a certain industry or you want to, you want to work to make something a reality, it can uh-huh. happen. And it, and it does. And, um, you know, I, I believe in, I believe in you. I believe you can do it, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely, man. Uh, the way that you guys are approaching things over there, um, it, that manner is, is, I mean, you guys are coming at it right. I mean, even from, from where I sit, you know, you guys, um, you guys have it all, you know, you guys have history, you guys have passion. Um, you know, the big thing too is, you know, the agricultural aspect of the whole state. I mean, it just makes sense. It makes so much sense, but um, it, it, it's understandable as well. You know, people believe in, and they have other beliefs as well, but um. I think that with that kind of mentality and that kind of attitude that, you know, the organizations that you yourself are included in, it's, there's only one thing that can come of it, man. And that's going to be success. I, I really do believe in, in everything you guys are doing down there and including other organizations um, <clears throat> around the country. It, it's a really exciting time to, to be able to, to see and follow everybody who's doing these things. And, um, I'm just glad that people are out there doing it. But one thing that I, I mean, it touches on what you said is um, if you could give people advice um, in terms of how can they support, you know, not only you and the organizations you're involved in, but also um, other organizations um, at home, whether it's local or anything else like that. Yeah. So um, I, and I, I know that people, um, participate in different social media mm-hmm. and, and different apps and, and websites and things like that. And, you know, I haven't seen a policy group in DMT world, but it, it, that might actually not be a bad idea. I might mm. need to look into that. Uh, and it's just so we can have some policy geeks out there talking <laughs> about, about regulations and stuff. Yeah. Truly, I mean, advocacy is, is, is so important. And so, you know, 
I've been involved with the group. I, I helped co-found the group Kansans for Hemp. We're uh-huh. on Facebook. We're on okay. Twitter. Um, and being on those two in particular, those social media has it's it's elevated the conversation here um, mm-hmm. for sure. So Facebook and Twitter, but um, I, you know, I I also think that having uh, having a local group. It, regardless of, of whether you're on a group text or a, or a private Facebook message or whatever that might look like, um, reaching out to the people locally and, and having conversations with your city manager, or I'm sorry, your, yeah, your city manager or your mayor, um, even just having discussions with medical providers and, having that and that that takes that takes a lot of courage too um Mm -hmm. to be open with your medical provider about this but as soon as as soon as enough people start having discussions about this uh, and about the fact that yes these plant medicines do help and Mm -hmm. this is how they do it you know i'm i'm living my life better uh so many examples of that i think that's where we can we can help push the the paradigm shift forward in that it isn't just uh, hearsay. It's I have experienced this, and that's where it it doesn't. It's the anecdotal evidence is it looked down upon a lot, but yeah. it, it it serves such a crucial aspect because the bottom line is you have to have that human component <laughs> mm-hmm. when you when you look at all this data research and and peer reviewed standardized testing and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, that's important information to have, but it it takes the human aspect out of it. And so I I think the whole, especially the persuasive part of it is, um, you know, just having those discussions with people and, and they're crucial. It's, it's, it's not easy by any means, but, um, being open and talking with your parents and, and with your, your coworkers and, and it's not for everyone either. I mean, there are some yeah. circumstances where you got to be careful about that, of about course. that kind of stuff. But, um, uh, yeah, it's, I am, I am involved with a couple other groups. I help advise, um, what's known as the hemp economic development group that's hmm. based out of Chicago. Um, and medicine man farms, uh, P H A R M S mm-hmm. we're on Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and then the pharmacy is out there too. Um, you know, a lot of cities have decriminalized nature mm-hmm. campaigns that are going on. That's correct. Uh, actively, there's some in Oakland and Oregon and Denver I know of. And I try to share some of that information, too. So, uh-huh. yeah, follow me. Follow me. You know, have folks follow me on uh, as on Prairie Drummer on uh, DMT World. and. Mm-hmm definitely try to stay up to date on stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's full, it's full of a lot of information for sure. You know, that, that was one thing for me that, um, that I did last year along with, um, some of the other members from the site is we created our own local group. And I think that was one of the best moves, um, that I did, um, when it comes to, you know, being involved, um, cause now, you know, we reached out to the local group and we, you know, we're working with them. You know, I recently had one of the, um, host for the Phoenix psychedelics group on here, sharing her story and, um, you know, attending the meetings for the decrim, uh, nature and the Arizona movement. And, um, 
you know, for me, that's what it's about. It's just getting out there and getting involved. If you really believe in these things, you know, get out there and do things. Obviously, it's not going to work for everybody, for sure. But right. there's also other people and organizations that are doing it locally, and you can support them. But by any means, you can reach out to them and ask them. I think that's uh, very important, especially for, you know, everybody here who's getting benefits from these plant medicines, you know. And what are we going to do? Just, you know, take the benefits and and, and not do anything else. You, we have to almost, it's almost an obligation to me to contribute in some form or another. That's how I feel, you know, and that's just my, my honest opinion. Um, and, and a lot of people kind of get scared by, of course. by advocacy and, and of course. It's, it, it, because it's, it's an easy thing to shy away from. But um, if there are local groups, you know, if you're an artist, you can, you can yes. do drawings, you can create signs, you yes. can create, you know, uh, or if you're a web developer, you can help them develop mm-hmm. a website, any of those kinds. Of, so uh, I think there's, there's a lot of opportunity for people to get involved in different ways, but, but yes. to help the overall movement. Mm-hmm. Sure. And the only way to, to find out those ways is to have conversations with people that are in that industry, you know, or those groups. You never know. You could come across somebody who, who just at the right place in the right time. And now you have this perfect opportunity to be in that industry doing what maybe you have, maybe some skill or anything. You just have to show up, just show up. And, and, and be, be there and have conversations with people in the local groups. For me, I think that's key, you know, for me contributing, you know, and, and giving back, you know, because of what, what I've was given from these uh, plants and, and fungus, you know, it's um, great stuff, man. Um, so um, medicine man farms, um, Kansas for hamps, Kansans for hamps, and um, what was it? Was there another organization as well? Yeah, the the Kansas Cannabis Business Association, okay. Okay. Uh, KSCBA. And then I, I'm also actually president of what's known as the Planted Association of Kansas. And oh. we, we were the trade association that was formed to um, help support the the industrial hemp uh-huh. um, industry so yeah we've, i've got a lot of got a you lot of do, things man. going on <laughs> that's great <laughs> it's inspiring man like i said it is inspiring uh i am really glad you came on here man and and doors open 100 percent. if you ever have anything coming up that you want to promote or anything like that feel free to you know reach out i'll definitely be be, be watching and keeping track there on on, on your profile there too um, is there anything that you'd like to um, say to anybody listening right now? I don't, I don't think so. I just wanted to, I wanted to show you that. <laughs> got, got, I, got my pen, got my yeah. pen there. On, on the video, I have this, uh, I have <laughs> this shirt that says legalized drugs yeah. in a DMT world pen. But um, <laughs> no, I, I, I really appreciate it. I appreciate you, you taking the time and showing interest and, and wanting to learn about my story. And, you know, I, there's one thing that I learned uh, during one of my psychedelic experiences in college was that, you know, everyone, everyone is connected. And um, the, the number of ways that we can help facilitate those connections and help make that happen. We're fulfilling the purpose of being human, you know, that's, that's kind of how I see it. And uh, at least for me anyway, Uh so uh, I, 
I just, I really appreciate it. And I'd love to come back sometime and, and get caught up and stuff. Give you an update after, uh, after we have some more forward movement. Or the, the elections too. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, it's been, it's been a great time talking to you. And like I said, any, anytime we'll have all the um, links in the description uh, on the uh, podcast there. Uh, and if anybody wants to get in contact with him, obviously you're um, on the dmtworld.net uh, page. You have the uh, under parity drummer um and if there's anything else you want to share here or we can you know put anything in the in the description for you so um nice glad having you man i'll uh thank you so much all right man talk to you later you don't have to know how to shine the sun you just do it like you breathe if they, doesn't it really astonish you that you are the fantastically complex thing and that you're doing all of this and you never had any education in how to do it? Never learned that you're this miracle? Well, the point is that from a strictly physical, scientific standpoint, this organism is a continuous energy with everything else that's going on. And if I am my foot, I am the sun. I am the sun.